Good morning. I want to welcome you to First Baptist Sandy Springs. It's a beautiful day outside. Hopefully it's not going to be too hot before the day is over. We've had some warm days, haven't we? But we thank the Lord for good days. And we're here this morning to worship him as a body. So let's stand as a body if you can stand and let's sing together.
from me I'm here today so, so praise God anyway huh? last week we looked at praising God and today we're going to look at praising God anyway and before I explain it you probably know what it means don't you we all are likely good at praising God when the good things happen to us but when it's tough when it's hard when things aren't going well, when things don't get done, when the prayers aren't answered, when the sickness isn't healed, and when the finances are tough and when the jobs are bad, and when your team loses, it can be hard. Are we supposed to praise God anyway? Yeah. Before we go further, let's pray. Lord, no matter where we are and what's going on, 
let praise be part, a great part of our life and our prayer life. Father, help us no matter what we are going through to focus on you, not on situations, not on our lives, but on you. And Father, when we do that, help us to thank you for putting up with us and being with us and always walking with us through anything and everything. Walk with us in these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at a few principles we learned last week. The first one we began with was in Psalms 22, verse 3. And that says, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And we talked about that word enthroned. We don't see often a Hebrew word, yeshab. It means to sit down, to settle, to dwell, to tarry, to marry. Um, what it means is if you want to get God's attention, you praise him and he'll stop. And so that's a good thing to do to assure that God will certainly be there. But think about it. When do you really need God the most? And yes, we need him all the time, every moment of every day. But aren't we really the most needy when there's trouble? It seems we can be that way. I am. So last week we learned if you want to get God's attention, you praise him. And if you're in trouble, one of the things that you ought to be doing is praising him to get his attention in your trouble. And we were also reminded of this last week in Psalms 113.3. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Doesn't say anything there about your day or my day. Rising of the sun to its setting. We're told to praise him continuously. Good days, bad days, all praise all the time. One of the things that happens when we do that, and this is interesting to see and to experience, is praise becomes our nature. That's how we are. And that's what we do. And it's a great nature to have. We praise anyway. I want to look at a great example in Acts chapter 16. Beginning at verse 16, it says, one day as we were going down to the palace, to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they've come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas, dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city's in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. And a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, thrown into prison, the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. They're not going anywhere. And around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Don't you love that? Here they are praising God anyway. Beaten, thrown in jail, for healing a demon-possessed girl, feet put in stocks in the inner dungeon and they're human just like us they could have had a pity party right there in the midst of the jail 
life isn't fair, they could have said. How could God let this happen to us? But that's not their nature. See how that can be our nature? But their nature has changed like ours can. And they had a time of praise and worship. They did this because that is who they had become. And that is possible for you and it's possible for me and all of us. It's a learned behavior that Paul and Silas had learned. And I love the way verse 25 ends and the other prisoners were listening. People are going to listen to you if you profess to be a Christian on how you deal with tough times. They're going to look at you and watch you and see how you, what your nature really is. The other prisoners were listening then and they still are. People are watching you and me to see how we react to difficulty. Does our faith shine or does it fade? That night in jail, their faith was shining. So let me remind you of the principles we talked about last week. If you want God's attention, praise him. Don't you think they wanted his attention? (laughs) Hey, we're in jail for healing. And God was there. And you likely know what happened. I'm not going to read it in Acts 16, beginning at verse 26 to 40. It tells the rest of the story, but I'm not going to read it to you. God releases them from prison. The jailer, thinking they'd escaped, is going to take his own life, and they say, don't. Don't do that. We're here. We're going to, you're not in danger. And he runs to them and goes, what do I need to be saved? I need what you have. My nature needs to change too. So he becomes a Christian. His family becomes a Christian, and. They're let out of jail and getting, got an apology and God showed up. But I also have to believe because their natures had changed. If this story had a different ending, if they'd have rotted in that cell, they'd have praised God anyway. Because that's who they had become. I'm reminded of the words spoken by three Hebrew boys to the great King Nebuchadnezzar about 600 years earlier. When he threatened them, you remember that story? Daniel 3, beginning at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied after they had been threatened to be killed. Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace that God, whom we serve, is able to save us. He'll rescue us from your power, your majesty. But then verse 18 is key. But even if he doesn't, even if we die, even if this is it, We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we'll never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. I love that. They're going to serve God no matter what. Like Paul and Silas, they chose to praise God anyway, and he showed up. There's stories all over the Bible proving this principle, but one that's particularly Good is in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Children of Israel in trouble. Beginning at verse 1 of Second Chronicles 20, it says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're already at Hazan Tamar. 
Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. He didn't tell them to get your weapons. He didn't tell them to sharpen your sword. They're outnumbered. It's an overwhelming force coming. He told them to fast. Jehoshaphat stood before, verse 5, the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people of Israel arrived? Did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple whenever your name is honored, wherever, where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us. You'll hear us and rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. They've come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We're powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. This is a great example of praising God anyway. In verse 6, as it began, the king began his prayer. Did you notice what he did? Let me read it to you again. Thinking about praising God. O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who's in heaven. You're the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You're powerful. You're mighty. No one can stand up against you. See what he's doing? He is praising God anyway. God, thank you for who you are and what you can do. And I love his trust in verse 12. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. And God helped. What a difference praise would make in our lives if when trouble comes, we'd seek the Lord and praise him for who he is and what he's going to do what he's going to do instead of worrying ourselves to death. Praising God is a strong, strong witness. And I got a great story emailed to me this week. If you're a Georgia Bulldog fan, they played Arkansas State yesterday. Georgia squeaked by with 55 to nothing win. Harry Angevine, a Georgia fan, shared this email with me last week. Arkansas State coach Blake Anderson has had one of the toughest years of his life following the passing of his wife, Wendy, last month after a battle with breast cancer. She was 49. A hashtag has spread on social media called Wear Pink for Wendy ahead of the Red Bulls game this week at Georgia. Bulldog Nation, help us get the word out. A posting stated, Wendy Anderson, the wife of Arkansas State head coach Blake Anderson, passed away on August the 19th after a two-year battle with breast cancer. We want to show Coach Anderson that regardless of the score on Saturday, he and his family are in our thoughts and prayers. If you're headed to Sanford Stadium on Saturday, please consider wearing at least a little pink in honor of Wendy Anderson. After his wife died, Coach Anderson took a leave of absence to 
gather himself. And shortly after Wendy died in August, Coach Anderson released a statement. My beautiful girl has gone home to be with Jesus. No more pain, no more suffering, and praise him, no more cancer. She passed as peacefully and gracefully as could ever hope just a few minutes before midnight with me laying right beside her. I've been so blessed to have her by my side each day for the past 27 years. Thank you so much to all who have walked, prayed, cried, and loved her through this brutal two-year battle. Praise him that, he hurts, that she hurts no more and in his presence now and forever. You see what he did? He praised God right after his wife of 27 years passed. Blake Anderson, Coach Anderson, is a winner, isn't he? He has passed the test. And he has praised God anyway. Now the rest of the story. Remember the worst day of Jesus' life? If you had to think what was the worst day of Jesus' life, you would likely end up by saying, on the cross, the crucifixion. Would you think that would be the worst day of Jesus' life? Maybe the toughest Hanging on the cross on this tough day with nails in his hands and in his feet and the crown of thorns on his head, and the crowd mocking him, the sin of the world, mine and yours, on him. He said several things there. At Easter, we talk about the seven words from the cross. He said, oh, it is finished. Father, into your hands I come in my spirit. He told John to take care of Mary, mother, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. He said his words of grace to the dying thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. You likely wouldn't think I would pick this one today, but when we're talking about praising God anyway, but you'll get it. In Matthew 27, 46, Jesus said these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, why would I choose that? And why would that be relevant when we talk about praising God anyway? Maybe you know. Jesus, in those words, is quoting from Psalm 22. His disciples and most Jews there would have known that Psalm. Let me read you the first two verses of Psalm 22 verbatim what Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but, no, but find no rest. Again, you might be wondering why am I using this, and all the weight of the world and all of the sin of the world hits Jesus, they think at this moment, and he doesn't feel God there any longer. And this is the first time that's ever happened. Again, why am I using this? Go to verse 3. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. 
Remember the principle? Enthroned? You want God to show up? You want him to be there? You want him to dwell? You want him to tarry? You want him to linger? You praise him. And what Jesus was doing in saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was beginning Psalm 22. That's where we began two weeks ago, where we began today. You are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel, enthroned on the praises of your people. On his worst day, Jesus praised God anyway. On his worst day, I would imagine, Blake Anderson praised God anyway. Because it's their nature. Thank God we are in a place where our natures change. Welcome. Welcome. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that our natures change. Thank you that we can be singing and praising you in the midst of a prison. Thank you that we can praise you when we are powerless against a mighty army that's about to attack us and we don't know what to do, but we look to you for help. Thank you, Father, that you are there, holy, enthroned on the praises of your people. And let our natures change by, well, from the rising of the sun to its setting, praising you. Lord, I don't know everyone's story in this room, what they might be in the middle of, but you do. And you offer to them to show up, not through complaining, but through praising. Change our natures. Help us to be people that when the other prisoners are watching, they see that change and they come to you. Father, whatever it is, wherever we are, let us praise you for who you are and for what you have done and what you can do. Father, thank you for being with us every step along the way in our lives. And today we know you will always be with us because we're citizens of heaven and we celebrate that. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. God bless you. I'm gonna ask Yerke if he would stand at the back door so you can congratulate him on your way out. Yerke, if you don't mind, we would appreciate you doing that. God bless you, have a wonderful day.